to welcome Ernie uh, onto the podcast. I, I was going to say your full name, but don't worry. We can, I'll post it in the <laughs> LinkedIn in the LinkedIn post. Yeah. Uh, nice to have yeah. you on. Um, I came across a post recently that you're heavily into mentoring, so I thought you're the perfect person to get on this podcast. So thank you for coming. Thank you so much for inviting me. I do remember seeing your name in my feed and people liking your posts <laughs> and your content. So when you reached Good out to know. me, I was just really humbled and flattered for you to invite me. So I'm very happy to be here. No problem, no problem. Yeah, it's exciting to have you on and someone who is so invested in mentoring, I thought, yeah, yes. I need to get you on and kind of we can obviously delve into that sort of stuff as well, into your experience and mentoring and such. But I yeah. thought maybe it'd be a good starting point for you to just introduce obviously who you are, what you're doing now, and maybe a bit about how you ended up in the role that you're in now. Yeah, so I have around 20, more than 20 years experience um, as a designer. So yeah, not that long. I'm currently <laughs> a design leader um, okay. at a small startup and my experience includes um, working at, um, you know, startups, fintechs, financial services, um, transport and retail industries. Uh, oh, okay. I've done contract work, freelance, um, managed my own business. And I've done it all. <laughs> What's that, sorry? You've done it all. <laughs> um, I haven't done AI, but... Okay. <laughs> it's the next on your list, I imagine. <laughs> but I will say in my 20 years experience, uh, I still enjoy designing. So I'm still an IC, individual contributor in my current world, which is where okay. I am at. A design lead um, working on a SaaS product in the transport industry. Cool. So that this is a startup in the transport industry. Yes. Yeah. So how yeah how I landed there was you know the past the first fifteen years of my career I was a visual designer through to a design manager, okay. um, working close with marketing teams, branding, content, visual design. Um, all of that stuff okay. and in the last seven years I focused on UX and UI okay. and I worked at a combination of you know I'd probably say a couple of fintechs mm -hmm. big corporate financial services okay. but then what I realized that I enjoyed was that startup environment where I actually don't mind if it's a little bit messy I like yeah. the idea that I can contribute be really hands-on and have direct access to the CEO without those levels of chains of hierarchy. So I found myself coming back to a startup environment where I can really okay. get, you know, direct into the product, yeah. into the research. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I don't have to have a big board meeting and it's yeah. just really flat structure. Yeah. Yeah. There's pros and cons to all types of there is, environments. There is. <laughs> but it's good though that yeah we, we can probably need a lot longer than what we've got slotted for this podcast yeah always... there's those financial struggles and then <laughs> there's the, you know quick turnaround pros that can be for a part two potentially <laughs> no but i, I right, was thinking yeah. <laughs> no i was thinking yeah like it's good that you found the environment that you prefer that is for your your skill yeah. sets your way of working and stuff um, yeah. And it's good to identify that as well. Like if you are new as well, like entering the field, you might want to aim for those big companies because sometimes you 
I did it as well. So, oh, it'd be cool to work for a Google or Meta or Spotify or something. Yeah. But sometimes like startups are the environment that best fits you and how you work and that kind of wearing many hats or getting your hands dirty. So that's good you, yeah. you brought that up as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, I mean, like with all the other types of environments, whether it's um, high UX maturity with established teams yeah. versus a messy startup where you have to wear multiple hats or a strict corporate that's very regimented and process driven. Yeah. There's definitely pros and cons to each. And yeah. I guess a startup may not be for that junior designer. I yeah. think if you are a strong generalist, yeah. I would recommend being a startup because there's not a, enough, there's not a lot of direction you might yeah. have. It's just throw you in the deep end, figure it out, um, yeah. get stuff done. Compared yeah. to a lot of the advice that I give to um, UX designers trying to land their first role is mm. try to make sure you start on the right foot. So yeah. your first role would be ideal if you were mentored by a senior or a lead. Yeah. So that you can start with the correct processes. So if you, you know, end up at a startup one day, you would have yeah. an idea of what the correct process would be without yeah. so much direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, if you are new and you're in a startup, yeah, it could be quite overwhelming <laughs> having to figure everything yeah, out. Yeah, it would be because, um, yeah, in a previous talk I did, um, it's, since you don't get a lot of direction, you, a lot of um, entry-level designers, they get that imposter syndrome. And yeah. so if they're a sole UX designer for a startup, they would mm -hmm. that would definitely be amplified. They don't know what they're yeah. doing. They don't have validation if it's correct. And whether they have good testing and research, they won't know if it's the right approach. Yeah, exactly. You, you, do need... blind. No, yeah. No, you do need that kind of guidance like even the freedom to learn make mistakes that's normal but like just the guidance yeah. to know okay yeah maybe next time we could look at this methodology or maybe that won't exactly work, like, yeah and then better. on the flip side i have had designers who did start up as a sole ux designer yeah and they realized that wasn't for them they you know were lucky enough to join where there was a more established design team yeah. And they finally got that reassurance. Yes, they were doing the right thing. <laughs> and it's something that they really need to validate their yeah, experiences yeah. to keep yeah, pressing. Yeah, no. It, yeah, early on in your career, you do need that validation as well. That just assurance exactly. from somebody else. More scenes that, yeah, no, it's going well. You're doing things right. Yeah. So, okay. They kind of eliminate yeah, that feeling of yeah, imposter syndrome. But I think imposter syndrome will never kind of leave you. I don't know now, like if you ever have those moments. So. I don't know, like uh, insecurity about something, but yeah, it can reduce those feelings, especially early on when you do need that confidence to, because that's all a part of growing and learning, having that confidence to move to the next level. So. Yeah. And I'm finding in a lot of my design mentor sessions, but sorry, I may mention ADP list so in case there are people listening. I'm just, I just keep dropping that name. A lot of people don't know what ADP list stands for. So it stands for Amazing Design People List. Oh, I didn't know that. And I had Felix on the podcast as well. Oh, so yeah. A lot of people don't know. They go, oh, and it started from a spreadsheet. Felix Lee co-founded it, um, yeah. you know, another design lead, which was about helping people who lost their job through COVID. And it started yeah. as a spreadsheet. Upload it and then it turned into a platform trying to source jobs for designers and then it just blew up into a platform multiple slack channels 
yeah. virtual conference talks and it just yeah. keeps on going. Yeah. It's true. It's incredible. And yeah. This, I, yeah, yeah. So outside of my day job, this is what I do every week as well. Oh, I'm meant to designers every week, talk to them, give them advice, reassurance. Nice. There's, yeah, there's, there's sometimes there's tears. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a design therapy session. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, as you know, design, yeah. a lot of the creative and thinking roles, it's very taxing. It's, you know, a mental load. Yeah. It's you just give blood, sweat and tears. And we yeah. really, really care about our work. It's true, it's true. And I think the, the side of the role as well that's not talked about a lot is the... Yeah. Is the convincing stakeholders and having to advocate for your design or or research if you're a researcher and that can be taxing as well because not only are you like having to be creative and that is taxing in itself but then having to go and convince people that what you've done what you've designed or whatever yeah. is worthy of being used or so so yeah that can be that can obviously accentuate yeah. those feelings of imposter syndrome especially definitely that energy yeah definitely that energy to persuade and have those strong communication skills i'm finding a high volume of designers reaching out to me to sort of get those negotiation communication skills because they don't teach that in free ux boot camps or part-time ux they teach you the technical skills and then it's up to you to go and find a job without Mm -hmm. learning how to defend yourself next thing you know you're in front of a room of stakeholders questioning every design <laughs> decision research data yeah. that you've already validated but still question it exactly exactly and that's the exactly you need to be that resilient designer which a lot of designers are finding burnout because i think oh no it's just about the work or the design or the research or the content yeah. But it's the, the persuading, the communication, collaborating with different teams, developers, everyone has a different agenda. How yeah. do you stay resilient, a communicator for all, mm. a strong collaborator, but also pushing for the right design solution? Yeah. While like keeping calm <laughs> and centered and balanced and happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just kind of underscore the button. Oh, no, that, that's exactly. true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And it kind of ties into what we were saying before around, yeah, if you are new, like it is nice to have that kind of design team around you to it to is. learn those skills and have that validation that the process that you're following is the right process. Because if you are new and you are in, a ban- in front of a bunch of stakeholders, they're questioning all your decisions, why you did that, or your process, et cetera, et cetera. If, you are feeling a bit unsure about your process and if you're doing things right that can just yeah that can knock you over so so yeah exactly. just to kind of tie back into what we're saying before yeah and i've met a lot of designers not just on adp list just in passing or in person or whether it's a ux meetup um just questioning their confidence and yeah. it's interesting and sort of a little bit um i do feel for them because that confidence decline can affect their their ability to perform yeah exactly. so i feel like it's you know a duty for me when they do express you know these insecurities mm-hmm. to sort of help them or empower them realize the skill set they do have yeah. so that they don't let confidence be a barrier yeah no absolutely absolutely it's a good point 
I wanted to to delve in into a bit more into um, your mentoring stuff. Um, so how did that come about when you decided that you wanted to mentor? Is it something you've always done, like even since your early days, or was there a kind of a starting point? I want to be a mentor. I, this I actually didn't realize I have been mentoring since I was 20 years old. Oh, wow. So, you know that feeling when you don't realize you're good at something, but someone points it out to you, it just comes naturally. Yeah, not so happened often good to me. Sensationalist. Pardon? Yeah. Not happened often to me. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it doesn't happen often to me, but this is one of the few times. So that's why I'm highlighting it. Um, yeah, of course. Where I, th I was on LinkedIn, maybe it was a talk I did for ADP List and yeah. a designer I worked with in my very first job as a junior graphic designer messaged me, congratulated me to go, wow, you've done so well. Um, your mentorship, it's amazing to see how far you've come with your mentorship. I remember you mentoring me 20 years ago as a junior designer and you were showing me how to use InDesign. And yeah. I honestly didn't think that was the definition of mentoring. We were peers, yeah. both juniors. I sat down with them. I trained them. They felt they didn't feel confident using it. So I yeah. guided them through, sat there patiently, and they just thanked me yeah. for helping them. And they That's considered cool. that mentoring. And they remembered Absolutely. it to this day. So I've been designing for more than 20, um, sorry, mentoring for more than 20 years. Also designing. Uh, yeah, how I <laughs> fell into ADP list. I feel like I sort of built up to ADP list. Yeah. So there was a turning point probably around 2018 where I went on a bit of a confidence journey, okay. um, which I may mention or delve into a bit later if we have time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. where I wanted to build my confidence and rather than trying to seek that externally i want to build that out build that out build that confidence for myself i need to have that self-validation yeah. and so trusting that i am good enough to mentor i mm. signed myself up for my first mentor breakfast nice. rather than be a mentee <laughs> and go i am a mentor I have the experience and the ability to mentor other people. And it just so happened to be um, a mentor breakfast for International Women's Day. Oh, cool. And I went, what better way to start my <laughs> official external mentoring yeah. lifestyle, passion, journey? <laughs> yeah. With International Women's Day. I had my sticker on. And to me, that was like validation. <laughs> it says mentor. Yeah. I can do um, it. <laughs> and then even on while I was there mentoring, because a lot of people say I look younger um, than I am, I found a lot of women who I could tell they were my age, just looking at me like, oh, what does she have to offer? And then I did see them, because it was one of those speed mentoring sessions where you go down yeah. to each table, the mentors stay at the table, and then they <laughs> go around to each table. And then I noticed the older women never came to me. I, I saw a lot of the junior, younger women coming to me. And then I saw um, a couple of older women, they looked like they were managers. Sorry, I'm not being ageist there. But um, <laughs> they reluctantly came to me and go, oh, I'm, you know, I'm returning from maternity leave. And like, okay, this is the last five minutes. I guess I'll ask you a question. 
Mm-hmm. It was that kind of attitude. <laughs> and then I was just all in to just convince them, oh, I definitely know how that feels. I have children yeah. myself. And they went, oh, okay. And then I said, yeah, I understand the challenges of returning from maternity leave. Oh, okay. And then you could just see the interest and the connection growing as I was giving them relevant advice to their career. So it's International Women's Day. It was signing up with Project F, um, Emma Jones, who focuses on women in tech. Okay. uh, And gender and um, diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And then I think around COVID, I did get a bit of FOMO. I saw ADP list, all, all these posts going, oh, I'm an ADP list mentor. I said, what's this ADP list? about um i joined i didn't expect felix lee the co-founder himself messaging me and i'm sure you got the same welcoming welcoming me via linkedin um using my first name so it wasn't some automated message and then i had troubles with the onboarding experience i said who you know who in tech who in it can i speak to he's oh no that's okay Omi. i can help you out yeah. And he honestly yeah, never gave through. Yep. He was so hands-on. He remembered my name. I was so surprised by this experience. Yeah. And you know, my dashboard, availability, all that stuff. And then yeah. I instantly got some bookings. And you know, me, I like to explore if there's possibilities for whatever I join, I want to make sure I explore every opportunity possible. So yeah. I was all over all the channels looking at all the mental opportunities, the speaker opportunities for BMO Festival. And it's like, yep, I'm a mentor. I deserve to be here. It's even got verified mentor. So all these labels <laughs> that are yeah. validating me, I went, no, I deserve to be here. Um, and everything I've done to, you know, yeah. be a BMO Festival speaker, I went completely terrified and scared. I went, can I even speak? Like I've been, um, I have the experience to be a panelist where I just wing things. And I present a proper talk that lasts for 30 minutes plus a 10 minute Q and A. Yeah, that's that's done. Yeah, so that is nerve wracking for someone like me who used to be completely shy. Yeah, I am still shy. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people I speak to say they're shy, but then I find they're really great to talk to. Exactly. Yeah, being shy doesn't mean you're not, yeah, that you can't be a mentor. Because this is another thing as well. Like people who are entering new researcher design or whatever, they feel that if they are shy, that it potentially will hold them back from potential opportunities or from being good at presenting to stakeholders or obviously doing what we're doing now, mentoring. But it's not a, it's not an obstacle. Like if it's something you're really passionate about and you want to do it, your shyness will be just a part of who you are, like your personality. And there's nothing wrong in that. So yeah, sorry, I didn't want to jump on your train, but no, 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 <laughs> not cool. at all. I I completely agree. And to me, shyness is not a bad thing. The same thing yeah. with having fear. It's whether you allow it to block you from opportunities. Yeah. So that's exactly. the thing that I have empathy for. A lot of designers who say, oh, I couldn't be a leader. I couldn't be a manager. I'm too shy. Yeah. So that's something I try to show them. No, look, sometimes I still have moments of shyness. Sometimes yeah. I prefer to work um, in a more introverted way. 
Yeah. And then other times I, you know, want to talk to people via podcast, a talk, a panel, because yeah. this is just something I feel I have to do. And this is how I'm going to give back to the community. Regardless of shyness, that's how passionate I am about it. I just have to share this experience. I feel, you know, like it's my duty. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, being a leader or a mentor, you don't need to be super confident. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, you can be a leader, someone who's really quiet. It's not necessarily how much you talk or how much you like to be in the center, <laughs> in the spotlight. Yeah. Um, there's many other qualities that make a good leader. And I think now, like, I do see, like, it being spoken about that a leader is someone that doesn't, like, shout orders or tell people what to do, but it's someone who leads by example. So I think, like, if you work on your skills and those qualities, people will naturally view you as a leader, even if you're not the most confident person in the world. I think it's good yeah, to... Yeah, leaders that. that I resonate with and am inspired by are very people-focused. So yeah. a lot of the influencers, um, authors, speakers, like Simon Sinek, yeah. he has that servant leadership. Yeah. So I definitely resonate with that. And I did mention about my shy to confident transformation journey. Mm. Um, Lauren Curry, who happens to be a TEDx speaker in the UK. She also mentioned something you, you just said right now about leadership doesn't have to be a loud person. Well, in, in her talk, a loud person shouting at a podium. She was referring to Donald Trump. So that is not the definition of a leader. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I definitely resonated with that and go, well, then I could be a great leader because I really yeah. focus on the people. I want to look after the people because they're your greatest asset. And I feel that yeah. with mentoring. And even yeah. though another company is going to reap the benefits of me giving advice to a designer who lacks confidence or communication yeah. skills, that designer and a lot of the times they have come back to me and told me we'll go on to thrive progress and because they were so grateful for that experience end up mentoring and then it'll just be a ripple effect yeah it's true yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool. yeah it's a really nice point to me i'm glad we, we touched on it as well um yeah. i also wanted to go into a little bit about kind of what made you just decide to be a designer because you mentioned before you, you started out in graphic design if I understood correctly and now eventually you kind of moved over more to UX and UI was there like a specific reason why you ever wanted to be a designer and also what made you transition maybe to more user experience I I'd say in kindergarten I'm going to go right from the beginning Oh, wow. <laughs> because I also do have a practical mindset. Okay. Uh, when I was probably about five years old, kindergarten, I used to do sketches and I did charcoal sketch in year 12 for the HSC. And I honestly thought I was going to be a fine artist and just make money and starve and just be this starving artist. <laughs> but <laughs> then it went away. Five years old was when I decided. That may not be great for my career, and I may only get paid once every few years for one artwork. <laughs> so my yeah, practical mindset went: How can I get paid for creativity? And I thought graphic mm. design. So this was 20 years ago. You know, I wanted to be a work for a fashion magazine, 
be editor-in-chief wow. one day of Vogue Australia, possibly. <laughs> and just work in print. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to get my foot in the door okay. in fashion magazines. I got my foot in the door in at this digital, at the time they called it a digital um, agency. Well, okay. I happened to work on the first David Jones website as a junior digital designer. So I was like, oh, I felt like, you know, working in the digital industry was a fallback because I really wanted print. And then mm. I worked closely with developers. And then I worked on emails, content, marketing, SEO. And I was just delving more into more digital online web experiences. And then I reached a point where I had 15 years of experience with that. And I became a design manager, managing graphic designers. And I felt like this is... Um, I feel like I've hit a wall I need and I think a lot of visual designers um, may experience this where you just churn out creative concept after creative concept yeah where you kind of get creatively burnt out you want yeah. that validation mm-hmm. so I was looking for something that is was a little bit more evidence-based yeah and use a, a little bit more um, IQ so when I heard about UX design, where designs are based on validating through research, testing and data, while also being creative and designing, I thought this mm. could be it. <laughs> so I actually didn't expect um, to transition. I thought it was just a nice skill set to have and I'll continue being a graphic designer after I finished yeah. my course. Seven years later, I'm still here. Um, wow. And then, but honestly, I don't, I don't consider myself you know, the best designer, researcher in everything. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty aware of my skill set. I feel like I'm a solid generalist. Yeah. Who has strong communication skills, who can negotiate, who can communicate. Uh, at the moment I'm in an IC role. So okay. if I needed to, I could people manage because I do have those skills. If I want to be completely hands-on, I can also do that. So yeah. I feel that's what I am right now, and that's how I fell into UX UI design. Nice, nice, very good. And I'm sure there were challenges along the way. So it'd be nice to also for people who are listening to yeah resonate maybe with uh, your experience. So were there any like oh was there a memorable challenge or something that you specifically remember that you faced, and how did you overcome that? I would say (laughs) navigating through my first management role and I honestly I feel like I had an idea or there's a post-it lying around somewhere to go how can I create a course to help completely you know I see designers who have Mm. little to no people skills communication skills to now suddenly be a manager how do you navigate through that gap because that's that was a big challenge for me not knowing that sometimes there are corporate politics, mm. uh, budgets, a whole heap of admin to do. <laughs> I was yeah. not prepared yeah, for a lot of meetings, financials. So developing oh. that acumen to yeah. be a manager, you know, seeing managers, you know, fight for their budget, um, <laughs> you know, perform to the business, KPIs, yeah. SLA all of these acronyms to sort of validate the performance of you and your team so yeah. i wasn't prepared for that 
but you know through the past several years it's something that I've become more accustomed to so I can switch that on if I need to yeah yeah and how long ago was that when you got your first management role probably around 2018 19 okay so yeah around pandemic or no just before the pandemic so and yeah. were you working remotely at the time or did you transition to no remote? in person yeah it was and all in person, person. Okay. traditional way of working five days a week <laughs> in, the in the office nine to, to five nine to six. it's like how do you do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems a, a lifetime away now actually but do you work remotely yeah. now yes yeah okay and, so and well, got, we uh, have the option to come in to a weekly workspace oh okay that's good. at least you have the choice it's nice to because i do like i work fully remotely but every every so often we do have like site visits or to just meet up uh, with, with the colleagues and it is nice to have that every so often and even better obviously if you're in the same city and you can just pop down to the office when when you need that i don't know that human contact <laughs> apart from your exactly. family obviously Okay, I wanted to move on to now, um, just kind of general advice. So obviously, you know, this, this podcast, this episode is directed at people who are who are entering the field. Um, so mm-hmm. do you have just any any advice that comes to your head or maybe something that someone told you in the past that you, that you remember and helped you in your career or just something that you would just like to share? In terms of people trying to transition into UX, Um, This is advice that I never got, but I discovered it as a real challenge and I'm happy to say that I was able to navigate through it. And I'm finding there's a high volume of designers who book sessions with me through ADP List who are struggling with this. And that is being able to transition from being a non-designer into a UX design industry in a market that has a shortage of jobs even though so there's a contrast with a high volume of ux boot camps with a low volume of jobs available and a lot of layoffs as well yeah pardon and a lot of layoffs as well yeah a lot of layoffs and (laughs) it's it's sort of unfortunate as well because the um the small number of jobs available are for seniors because you know companies are not you know they don't have the budget all the time to mm. onboard and train junior designers so there's yeah. that challenge there for yeah. new designers trying to enter the field so mm. the advice i tried to give them which was something that i had to navigate through um was how do i highlight my transferable skills so that and this is the benefit of me working with closely with the marketing team is how do I market myself so it doesn't look like on paper I have zero years of design experience which a lot of the designers new UX grads they have that perception Mm. but I just have to help them reshift their thinking to go you do not have zero UX skills so previously a person was a flight attendant Mm. And I said, do you work with clients, the customers mm. on yeah. board? Yes. 
do you talk to them do you help them do you find out what their challenge is to try to give them the best human experience possible mm. i said yes yeah. so you're working directly with the end user mm. yeah. finding out you're probably conducting mini user interviews finding out what's wrong um yeah. you have that empathy for them mm. and that realization of that service design as well or if there was someone who was from finance they're going to be very analytical very comfortable with numbers and used to a lot of complex data mm. someone who is a manager or a product manager wanting to be more hands on with the design and go you have that product thinking yeah you just need the technical skills now mm. so you know do this with tutorials get the technical skills you have you already have the personality and the approach and product mindset to be a product designer So it's just trying to reshift their thinking so that they can market themselves in the best way yep. so they don't think they have zero years they you know project this highly experienced designer who just hasn't had a UX design job yeah but can easily transition learn on the job yeah you know hopefully they have a strong aptitude for learning because obviously there's a lot of learning on the job of course yeah <laughs> And yeah, and like, you nice know, whether point. it's UX design or any job, you would yeah. have collected a number of skills and experience that would be um relevant to yeah. any industry. Yeah, it is a it is a job where you where there are many transferable skills from previous careers and that's why it is possible to transition career to UX and um, or to even to product because most yeah. people have some background or studies in something that is relevant as a UX designer or researcher or whatever. I like for me personally I I've worked in customer care in the past, customer service. And a lot of those skills dealing with people even if it's on the phone or you know face to face but still like just managing that conversation or almost like an interview, managing that conversation, that interview with the user. understanding the problem understanding their pain points the needs etc and kind of navigating that conversation and building a rapport with that person because maybe you need to speak to them again so things like that i was yeah. able later to understand okay those skills i use as a ux researcher so i can highlight those on my cv etc and then you realize yeah i've not got zero years experience like you said before but i've got one yeah. two three years so, yeah no it's a, it's a nice point and probably another bit of advice is that mental resilience so mm. we've mentioned previously about having that balance between you know the research how it can be mentally taxing and then also using yeah. that creative energy and also the energy to persuade so yeah. it can be a huge um cognitive load and yeah. a lot of energy so how does a designer just stay i guess balanced and happy mm. and you know <laughs> not reaching burnout which i also yeah. see um a high volume yeah. of designers researchers just really mm. embedded in data research people conversations <laughs> conflicts um mm. how do you still you know get that energy to do your job every day. Yeah, yeah, so definitely those challenges and finding that balance, making sure you're resilient enough or even develop the resilience. Yeah. so that you can thrive and thrive in your job. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of to dig a bit deeper into that, um how would you go about, I don't know, in your mentoring helping someone 
develop that I don't know that self confidence or that resilience to to continue because maybe someone hearing this might say yeah it sounds good but I don't know how to get that resilience I don't feel strong enough I don't feel like I've got that in me how can you develop that skill if you do have any ideas um it's it's definitely one part of it is about developing that confidence and again it's like how do you develop that confidence so it's sometimes it's looking at the facts so a designer who may be mid-level may feel like they don't have the confidence to be senior but they've been at the job for three years so you know i had experience with a designer who worked at deloitte and they didn't realize they just kept getting promoted but they still had imposter syndrome and i said well hang on look at the facts you've been at this job for three years you've launched these features you have strong people skills you are the go-to person I think this, the facts speak for themselves and then their confidence just shifted because yeah. a lot of the times in imposter syndrome it is very subjective yeah when we yeah. don't realize we are already doing the job of course yeah of course and obviously people trust your work because obviously if they're promoting this person you're speaking yeah. about then obviously they've seen the output they've seen the work they see how people view this person yeah. so if they've got yeah. the promotion they must do yeah and then <laughs> you know especially to designers entering the field how do they develop their confidence you know they haven't been there for three years um it's celebrating the small wins mm. to go okay three months you know recap i've done this i've learned this figma skill i've used a bit of ai i have learned about the company and just really patting yourself on the back you've reached this milestone what does the next milestone look like six months yeah. nine months 12 months so it is having that practical approach mm. to help you build your confidence to validate yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's it's yeah. a nice point. It's a nice point. That's cool. That's cool. I teach a lot of, yeah designers a practical and strategic approach to their career growth mm. to have a strategy entering any new role. Mm. Don't just go oh when I come to performance review I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> really be strategic with every quarter. Yeah. Um, um, not your results and come in prepared for your 12 month review and then yeah. that will validate your performance and of course. Build your performance. or um, identify those gaps so you have something to look forward to to develop yeah. that skill set or that skills gap yeah so that's cool that's cool and also like doing like preparing for that performance review it allows you a chance to look back through all the things you've done and kind of exactly. give you that. Oh yes. yeah, I've done all of this. So. I've done that. I didn't realize they did all this. this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. Because you can live in the moment sometimes and you look at what yeah. you're doing now, you know. But then we actually look back and you see all the like I said, you look back at all the things you've done in that past six months or a year or whatever, and you say, Oh no, I have achieved X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So I yeah, I do deserve this job or so. Oh, yes. that's a nice point. What about yes. someone who, uh, to go just for ones who maybe aren't in a current role and are maybe looking for their first role, um, uh, what advice would you give to them? Maybe along the lines of what you were speaking about before, having that resilience, um, or, or if you want to touch on something else, then, then go ahead. But I just wanted to touch on something for those uh, that yeah haven't had their first role yet. Yeah, I actually, my bookings on ADP list, coincidentally, um, have a few um, people who are looking to enter the UX role uh, industry. 
It's a tricky one because it is a difficult market at the moment. Mm. So normally I would say, you know, look at your transferable skills, update your CV, include your project work into an online UX portfolio that can be easily shareable, make sure your CV is up to date, all of that stuff. Um, because it's such a difficult market, it's something that you can't ignore and just expect to get a job within three, six months. Yeah. So I would say in at this particular time, I would say be strategic, Mm -hmm. Do some research before you jump. If you are going to do a boot camp, um, this was something that I did as well because I have a family. I went, I'm going to hang on to my design manager role. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure I don't jump. And, you know, um, unless there's a job there to go to. Yeah. So I can't hang on, you know, I have bills to pay. Um, yeah. And make sure it's a smart and strategic move entering a field and you've backed yourself. You've done your research. Maybe you're at a job where you're currently burnt out and it's not design related. Maybe you're, I don't want to mention non-example industry. <laughs> That's not design related, that may cause burnout, but non-design related. And you're just desperate to, you know, find something new and you've heard your wax is an amazing industry be strategic do your research if there are things you can do outside of work hours you know whether it's a boot camp can you afford to do um, a certification so at least you know how do you create a successful ux portfolio cv how do you connect mm. with the industry so sometimes yeah. it's you know as you know it's not just about cold applying to get the job mm. you need to yeah. develop a network someone yeah. can refer you Maybe attend a UX meetup. Find non-traditional ways of connecting, reaching out to maybe UX leaders, recruiters, mm. specialize in UX, build that network, see if you can get mentored, continue to work on your portfolio, mm. and also really try to understand and engage the UX industry before you jump. Yeah, no, those are all good points. And yeah, that's something that helped me a lot when I was transitioning over, reaching out to people, reaching out to leaders, to, to mentors. Not like with the premise of, oh, can you help me get a job? But just literally I look at, I want, to, I want to learn. Even if it's not a portfolio review, because that can sometimes, obviously these people are working, so I can take time to go through a million portfolios and give feedback. We just look at, I'm wanting to do this, I want to get in this field or into that sector. Do you have any small bits of advice? And then, like you say, going to meetups, even if it's online, virtual meetups, just kind of immersing yourself in the community. And yeah, they're, they're all really good points. I think you just definitely hit the nail on the head. That is something that I would say as well, because sometimes being a keen, eager junior US designer, asking for a job can be a little bit off-putting because it may yeah. create that wall. But when yeah. you have that student mindset that you just mentioned, um, design leaders are more willing to give that free advice with yeah. no obligation to hire and yeah. you know if you have people skills you create that connection at a UX meetup you know with a beer and a pizza um, <laughs> you, you make yourself memorable yeah. for the time oh, remember I met Dale yeah. you know maybe I'll reach out to him yeah, yeah so I those connections so. are really important yeah <laughs> <laughs> I hope that happens yeah no, no, no. that's that's exactly yeah that was actually part of my approach as well just reaching yeah. out to people and meeting them yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it helps me a lot and allows me to do what I do now with the podcast as well because it allowed me, yeah. help me connect with people like that who are now like really willing to be involved and kind of support the podcast. So, so even if it's yeah. not for a job, but for some other avenue that you eventually take, it can exactly. always give you that, that network of yeah. people that can support you. So, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Maybe we end here now because I'm very aware, sure. obviously, it's your night. So <laughs> thanks for being so available to do it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. No, um, no. For anyone listening, this is the first time I've spoken to Dale. He's absolutely lovely to speak with. <laughs> um, and he's made me very welcome. So yeah, I'm very happy <laughs> to you. speak with you. And you're very lovely thank to speak to too. I'm very thank you. full of knowledge. And... <laughs> no, thank no, you, thank so are you. <laughs> and maybe yeah. we, we do part two and we can go into maybe some more technical things for next time, which would be cool. Of course. Yeah, I'll be happy to speak with you again. Thank you, thank you. Bye. Bye.